0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 24th, 2022. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while and you've kind of Gotten to know more about me through this podcast. One thing you may have picked up on is I am a nerd. I won't just say, like, oh, in school I was a nerd. No, it's incurable. I still am. But when you look back at those school days, one of the symptoms of being a nerd was. I actually liked taking tests. You know, big exam at the end of the semester, bring it on. Oh, we got an AP test or an SAT to take? All right, I am pumped up. And I know that makes me a little weird. But even as a nerd, one thing that I did not like, and if so far you're saying I cannot relate to that, I think we'll all be able to relate to this. I hated pop tests. Uh, Maybe you can understand that, right? When you don't know that it's coming and the test is given, no, I don't want that. I want to be prepared. Well, the truth is the biggest tests we will face aren't going to be Things you take in school, or you know, you gotta fill out some bubble with a number two pencil. The biggest tests we're gonna take will be in our lives. And those tests will likely not be things that we got a study guide for, they will be the pop tests of life. And that we're going to have to be ready for those no matter what. And we're going to see one of the greatest pop tests, so to speak, that was ever given as we look today our Old Testament reading in Genesis 22 and 23. Now, it's a familiar story. So you, you probably have read before, starting in verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So this son that even if you've been reading through the Bible with us, you've had a sense of the waiting that was involved in waiting for Isaac to be born. And now here he is. And God says, go sacrifice him. And we see Abraham obey. And we're going to see some amazing things in this chapter. And hopefully hopefully some of it is fresh. And hopefully some of it is really meaningful to you uh, as we look at it. An amazing thing is they go. You know, he immediately obeys. And on the third day, he lifts up his eyes and he sees the place. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now, what I want you to understand is Abraham is not blowing smoke here, people. He's not just, well, I can't tell him I'm gonna go sacrifice my son, so I gotta tell him we're both gonna come back. No, that is not what he is saying. He genuinely believes every word of what he is saying. He believes that he and Isaac are going to go, and he believes that he and Isaac are going to come back. That's where one verse is very helpful In understanding this passage is Hebrews 11, which tells us that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. So he's going and he believes Isaac is coming back with me. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know if, hey, I'm going to actually kill Isaac, but God's going to resurrect him. But he believes that Isaac is coming back with him. So also, Abraham is not blowing smoke in verse 8, where he answers Isaac's question about, oh, where's the lamb for the burnt offering by saying, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And so there we see the familiar story. Abraham is stopped. But I want you to think about those statements. Why is it that Abraham could make those statements? And it really comes down to this. Abraham had an unshakable faith in the promises of God. An unshakable faith in the promises of God. And really, that's what it's based on. God had promised him. And even think of all the stuff with Hagar and Ishmael and God making it clear. No, Isaac is the son of the promise. And now Abraham is saying, God, I'm taking you at your word. You promised me I would have this son. You made it clear that this was the son that you had promised. And God, you're not breaking your promise. I believe that, God. So he goes forward and he trusts God because he knows whatever happens, God will not break his promise. Do you have that kind of faith In the promises of God? Do you believe that God will keep all of his promises to you? And that's where we need to be really careful because there's a lot of people that preach that kind of message hey, believe the promises of God. And they never really get into, well, what are the promises of God and how do they they actually apply to you? And how do we actually know the Bible to know what God has promised us? Because there's some people that basically want to preach hey, believe the promises of God and your life will be great. Problem is, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible never says, believe in Jesus and your life will be great. No, God tells us there will be trials, there will be suffering, but there are all all kinds of promises that we need to understand. We need to understand that God has told his people, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you hold on to that promise and believe that no matter what happens in your life, God will not leave you or forsake you? Do you believe that, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to court according to his purpose? Do you really believe that? Are you holding on to that no matter what? And even if you're in the darkest trial of your life, you can say without a doubt, I know God is going to use this for good. Your equivalent of saying, Me and the boy are going to worship and we will return to you. You saying, God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. Do you believe these things? When you are tested in life, the biggest thing that will help you pass the test is ultimately faith in the promises of God. And there's so much in this passage even that points us forward to Christ. I mean, just even think of that statement, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And just think of how that think gets us thinking forward to God providing the lamb, Jesus Christ. And even as long as we're talking about uh, one of, uh, you know, just the promises of, of God, it makes me think of one of my favorite promises of God, Romans 8, 32, which says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And in my mind, there's always been a connection between this story of Abraham and that verse, because that's basically what God says to Abraham. You didn't, you weren't going to spare your only son. So now I know you will do whatever I ask. And God is basically saying in Romans 8, 32, I did not spare my son so you can know I will give you whatever you need. I will give you all things. And again, we need to think biblically. Well, what does that mean? God's going to make all my wildest dreams come true because all my wildest dreams aren't coming true, pastor. Uh So God's not keeping his promises. No, just think of that word that phrase, all things, and even how it connects to verse 28. All things work together for good. God is giving you all things in the sense that He is working them all together according to his plan, and you can trust it. You can trust that it's for your good, and that is a precious promise. And he has given you his son. What is he not going to give you? That is the biggest proof. Just like he said to Abraham, you did not withhold your son. And so he affirms the faith of Abraham, and you You see all of that, that just the affirmation that God gives, even in the obedience of Abraham, just really an amazing passage. But it kind of gets summed up there in verse 12, where he says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And we can kind of look at God and say, God, now I know that you care about me because you did not withhold your son your only son. And there's also the connection, you know, he goes to a mountain in the region of Moriah. Uh, Well, what other hill was in the region there? The, The hill of Calvary. And we don't know if this happened on the same hill, ultimately, that Jesus was crucified on, but it was in that same area. And we should make that connection, I think, to remember what God has done for us. In chapter three, we get to the burial of uh, Sarah, and this is the first land that uh, Abraham is going to end up owning in uh, the land of Israel. It, what becomes the land of Israel? This is the, the first land he owns is a place to bury his dead wife. So all of, like we talked about, that there's a waiting that happens between the promises made and the promises. Kept and we see so much of that uh, even here in Genesis 23 as well. But now let's move on to our New Testament where we're going to read the rest of John chapter 5 today, John 5 19 through 47. And I want to pick this up with where we left off on uh, the following day's reading, and I want us to consider um, what's there. And or the the previous day's reading, as we looked at, really the Jews saying, "Hey, he's claiming to be equal with God," and now we pick it up back in verse nineteen. Does he say, "No, no, 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 you've got me all wrong"? And what I like to say here is, he doesn't back down. He actually doubles down. And there's no way he, what he says here can be contrived in any way uh, to try to say he's distancing himself from their claim from their understanding that he is claiming to be equal with God. I mean, look at uh, just some of the things that he says, like verse 22, the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Um, And then that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Hey, Jesus, we want to kill you because you're making yourself equal with God. And Jesus responds by saying, yeah, everyone should honor me just like they honor the Father. That's not backing down. That is doubling down. But one of the key things we see in this passage today is they're really trying to put Jesus on trial. Is what they're doing here. I mean, they want to kill him. Uh, But Jesus is bringing witnesses to his defense. But in the end, he flips the script and he makes clear, no, 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 no. I am the judge. You're trying to put me on trial, but I am the judge. And here's all the things that bear witness about me. And ultimately, you will be judged on what you have done in response to this message. And he even gets down to the point where he is really showing their unbelief and that it's not just intellectual, but they've got a bigger problem that we see in verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? And so he's rebuking them for their willful unbelief. And ultimately you're not seeking glory in the right place. And that's a good reminder for us In the end, we will not judge Jesus. And I even think of all those who try to evaluate Christianity and all these stories we hear these days of people deconverting and deconstructing their faith. And sometimes I just want to say, good grief, what are these people thinking? What they're thinking is, I get to judge Jesus and I get to judge the Bible. When no, Jesus is going to judge us. And that is what we should care about. We're going to stand before Christ someday. And as we read that, that there should be an acknowledgement of that and also a praise that he's not as the judge pointing us to some sort of works righteousness, he's pointing to himself. How will we avoid judgment on Judgment Day? By putting our trust in the judge, by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. And again, there's a lot of promises in scripture that point us to have that faith and to rejoice in the results of that faith. But as we think about the tests of life, and even what we saw in Abraham, I hope that's something we take away today, that we would have an unshakable faith in the promises of God, so that whatever is going to come and test you today or this week, that you would trust the promises that God has made to you. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.